on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Jess talked about targeting people on Facebook by zip codes and income. Greg covered big changes in ad sets. And we learned why Jess and her Instagram account might be going to jail. And Greg talked about his favorite and least favorite new emojis in the 2019 class. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Jess Bud. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on February 8th, 2019. Remember... You can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. And follow along with us in our show notes. Just head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And first up this week is a change in campaign budget optimization migration on Facebook. And what Facebook is doing is allowing the campaigns to control all of the budget. And this is going to be moving away from being able to set specific budgets at the ad set level. And that was one of the biggest differentiators between other digital ad platforms like uh, Google ads or Bing ads, where Facebook, you could have a budget at a campaign level and a budget at an ad set level. No longer as of (laughs) September 2019, they're taking that way, that a way. And the rationale is to that Facebook gave us is to help you spend your budget more effectively, removing the budget to the campaign level. Again, starting in September, 2019, eligible accounts have received this notice and begin using campaign budget optimization for new and existing campaigns come September. So this is important. If you were trying to segment like your spend and use ad sets to do so, (laughs) <laughs> it comes September, that's not going to be the case. So you're going to have to kind of do it more like uh, traditional, ad, like a Google ads where you set all those budgetary requirements at the campaign level. Yeah. And that's, I like it better that way. I've kind of been doing that already with some of my campaigns since the ability to do it even came out. Uh, but something that they didn't talk about in this article, and I don't know if it's going to be the case, but it is now. Uh, if you set a campaign level budget, you have to set it at a certain uh, minimum, I guess, or mm. put a certain number of dollars in there to make room for all of those ad groups. And they don't really tell you what that is. It's just if you don't meet it, you get an error message and they're like, hey, you need to put more money in your budget because of all these ad groups or get rid of some of your ad groups. So I don't know if that's going to continue, but just something to look out for, of course, if it does. Yeah. And, and this could be really beneficial so mm-hmm. that you don't have to try to be so nitty gritty with that budget and the ad set level. But we did a ton <laughs> of training here at Cypress North and we're like, this is why ad sets are so powerful because you can you can make one big campaign and have all these little ad sets. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> now you're just going to have a bunch of campaigns. A bunch of campaigns, just like Google. <sighs> all right. Okay. What's up next, Jess? All right. Up next also comes from Facebook. They are introducing or have introduced household income targeting based on U.S. zip code averages. So what does this mean? Well, that's pretty cool because we used to have all this income targeting yes. back in the day. Obviously, everybody heard about Cambridge Analytica data um, nastiness, and it was all taken (laughs) away. So this sounds really great. It does sound really great. And I used to love that income targeting. I actually had good reason to use it for some clients. Um, This is a little bit different, though. It's not going to specify those actual income ranges that we had before. It's still a type of demographic targeting if you go in there to set it up. But what it is is 
uh, groups, I guess, if you will, um, or percentiles, you get the top, I don't know if I use that word right, percentiles. Yeah, percentiles. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, good. Look at that. Math. So <laughs> you can um, look at where a user's income, fall, household income, falls basically compared against other people in their same zip code. So the top 5%, top 10%, I think it goes then like 25 to 50 or top 50 plus. There's only four or five ranges and you can see the link in the show notes outlines exactly what those are. But I kind of like this. I mean, it's a good workaround. We didn't have any income targeting after they took that away. So I think it's nice. And it, again, obviously, you know, cares for people's privacy and Facebook assured us that, you know, this all came from publicly available information. So I don't know. It's something, something we can use. Cool. But it should be noted, this is not income-based targeting anymore. It is definitely not what we used to have. And so if anybody turns that back on, it's like, oh, this is now performing significantly less. It's because it's not the same thing whatsoever. Good point. Okay. And next up, we've got another Facebook story. And this comes from TechCrunch. And it is pretty important for us advertisers out there. And it is the title of the story from Josh Constantine is Facebook will reveal who uploaded your contact info for ad targeting. We've seen a lot of this in the past where after this data hullabaloo that we Mm -hmm. talked about before, we've seen the ability for us to see ads from competitors or any Facebook page out there, just see what's going on. We can now see as a user of Facebook why we're being targeted. And so you better make sure you're playing nice and not being naughty with the way that you are targeting. Mm -hmm. Um, Because starting February 28th, you're going to see a why am I seeing this button for the ad that is delivered to you. And when you look at that, you'll be able to say that the Facebook page specifically is targeting you or it wants to reach and target you. And you can click through and see who it is specifically. Or if a certain partner had a list, they're going to be able to see the partner name Or if a partner shared a list with an agency or something along those lines, you'll be able to see every single (laughs) piece of the targeting as to why you are seeing the ad on Facebook. So this is a big deal. And just when you thought there was nothing else left, you'll also see other layers on top of it. So that's one of the things we talk about here internally is, is why Facebook advertising is so important is because you can may basically use interest layers or demographic layers or now zip code, uh, household income layers. But you'll be able to say that um, not only is a partner targeting this, but we're targeting you because you're on this list that a partner shared and they're going after people 25 and older that live in the United States. So you're going to be able to see like, oh yeah, the demographic element of that as well. That's, so. Uh, yeah, you better make sure that you you're not doing anything naughty. <laughs> yeah, because it's all going to come to light in February on February twenty twenty eighth. Yeah, and I think I mean if you ever get served a competitor's ad, there's a sneaky angle here too. You can see what types of targeting they might be using that somehow you got got in there. So it could be good for research on our side too. But yeah, if your stuff isn't tight and clean and completely uncontroversial, you better get it there by the end of this month. Yeah, you got twenty days. The talk the clock is ticking. So <laughs> cool. Man. All, all right. right. We just did three Facebook stories in a row. Yeah. All news. That, else? <laughs> yeah. Let, let's go. That brings us to this week's lightning round. <laughs> First up, 
more ways to drive results with TrueView for Action. This comes in via Google's Help Center. So if you have TrueView for Action campaigns running, you can now use maximized conversion bidding, which is very exciting for people that like to get as many conversions as possible within their budget. I think that's probably most of us. But again, with anything, don't just turn this on blindly and, and let it go. I mean, obviously, you want to test and watch and see how it performs. I've actually had this type of bidding backfire on me, and, and CPA has been better in some cases. So test it. Don't just turn it on. Yep. And this is for TrueView ads. So the ads are played before, uh, during, or after a video, and they're skippable after five seconds. And the action is where you have the title and you actually have that CTA show up. Yeah. So that is something great. And to Jess's point, maximized conversions can be really good or it can be <laughs> terrib <laughs> terrible. But if you've got it in and dialed in, it, it could be a, a big boon for you, the YouTube advertiser. All right. Next up is a Twitter update from the, I think he's had a product, um, Stephen Johns over at YouTube. And he has tweeted out that the YouTube mastheads, basically the big takeover of the youtube.com or the app is going from a CPD, which is cost per day to a CPM <laughs> basis. So it's going to allow more folks to get in there and try to, again, take up some market share. So if you're a big baller and <laughs> you've got some budget, you know, give that a shot. And if you are really trying to make a splash around something, you can own the homepage of YouTube. I never understood why that was like such a big deal unless you're just like some huge branding play. Yeah. Or like a movie that's coming out. If you want yeah. everyone to know the movie's really coming out, you just blast it's it really everywhere. It's really coming out. <laughs> like this time it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get yourself a masthead. I, I hate that word, masthead. It should have been on my list in shooting the heck last week when we were talking about words we don't like. I don't like it. It just sounds like a growth on a ship or, or like a zit or something. I think it's a part of a ship, right? <laughs> is it? I think it's like the biggest sail, the masthead. That makes sense as to why the ad unit is called that. Then. Yes. Or, yeah, it's the biggest zit on a face. Oh, one of two. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what it grosses me out. I don't like it anyway, but it's available. It's probably very powerful <laughs> for advertisers. Okay. Um, Alphabet, if you didn't know this, is Google's parent company. So yes, there's somebody even bigger than Google out there. They have reported their 2018 Q4 numbers. And according to the headline, Google cost per click declined 29%. Um, so that's almost 30% year over year. But meanwhile, cost per impression is actually up 7%, which I thought was interesting that they would go in the opposite way. But there's a lot of other stats in this article, too. We won't read them all. If you're interested in Google's revenue or anything like that, or excuse me, Alphabet's revenue for the year, you can check the article out. This is also another example of how like a statistic can be taken any different direction. Like If you're an <laughs> investor, you might be like, oh my gosh, down 29%. Google's got so much more inventory. That's true. And when you talk about display network and you're on, you know, mobile, uh, you've got mobile ads running, it doesn't, it, it, it's going to fall. That's what we see. But, but at the end of the day, even for advertisers, who cares? It's all about what, what shakes out at the end. So yeah. just because the CPC dropped, there is so many more places that ads can show. Yes. And they did say in general that growth was up. So, I mean, that's what growth is, is going up. But yeah, just because the CPC is actually down the... The actual platform is up. Oh, growth growth on the old masthead. <laughs> okay, and next up, there are 230 new emojis that made the final list for 2019. And this is from Emojipedia. And many of the new emojis <laughs> that are slated to be um, potentially making it into the cut is, and I, actually, I think that they, they, they made it. 
right? The final made it. That's what it sounds like. They're okay. in there. They're in there. Yeah. And a lot there. of them are positive towards like, hey, let's have some inclusivity. Let's include people that might have some disabilities and things like that. And you can see the full list. Uh, if you head over to our show notes, Jess, what were your top three favorite emojis in 2019 here? I don't <laughs> I don't think that these are just 2019s, but I just have top three favorite emojis ever. Oh, you're not the 2019? No, I mean, because it's it's the full list. So I, I went for everything. I don't know. Um, I went with Sparkle because I like the Sparkle. The Black Heart. I don't know if that was 2018 or 2019. Okay. Do you know? I don't know. Because it wasn't an know. emoji for a while. And we used Slack here in the office and we had made it a custom emoji. And I don't know if it... It had to have been 2018 that it came out. So I was super into that. And then um, I, I like the women, the woman like tipping her hand. Okay. Those are all old person. emojis. Those so, are old. So, That's so my, what I, yeah. My favorite of the new batch of emojis. First off, I like what's called the ringed planet. It ate. It's, ringed planet? It's Saturn. It's Saturn. It's a picture of Saturn, but the emoji name is the ringed planet. Well, maybe they think people don't know what Saturn is. Technically, Uranus has a ring, but it goes on its side, and mm. it's very small. There's a joke and this there. is not Uranus and, and the ringed planet emoji. Next, My next new favorite emoji was the otter. It's just chilling. Aww. I don't know if you saw it. It's just la- it's a lounging otter. That's and how I they float, it. right? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think. I, I don't know. Science. They, they might know. The last one I liked that was new, the axe. I'm a big axe guy. Not not like the spray, but like the, the, the tool. <laughs> there should be an emoji for axe spray. Oh, no, no, really. I, I wouldn't like that. There should. Okay, so out of the new batch, did you have any that you liked the least? Um, I, 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 ice cube? I, it's probably It was a very sweat. It was uncomfortably <laughs> sweaty ice cube. <laughs> I don't know what is happening at this ice cube. It beats the poop emoji, which is my all-time least favorite okay. emoji. My least favorite, and you know, we, we put this on our site, the drop of blood. It is the grossest looking drop of blood ever. It looks like a, like a, like a melted Hershey kiss. Oh. It's disgusting. I don't know what you're doing with this drop of blood. There's a syringe already, though, with blood in it and a drop coming out of it. So you compare those nicely. Yeah, I don't know. There's a couple of weird ones. So you mix, there's a razor now and an axe and a drop of blood. I don't know. Maybe What's going getting on? getting ready for Halloween. Oh, yeah. A couple <laughs> months earlier. <laughs> I don't know. All right. We got all of 2019 here. Well, well, check it out and let us know which of the two, 230 is your favorite. Yeah. Use them all this year. New Year's resolution. Okay, next up. YouTube is experimenting with solutions for de-weaponizing the dislike button on videos. Speaking of weapons, razors, and axes, <laughs> I didn't know that a, that a down vote is a weapon. That seems really crazy to say that we're de-weaponizing somebody that says that they didn't like a video. Yeah, but I, so this comes from 9to5Google, and I definitely shout out to them for that awesome headline because that is like eye-catching news, right? But apparently this is a thing, and I'm a good person, so I had never heard of this before, but there are people out there forming what they call dislike mobs, and they just flood a video and intentionally sabotage it, and everybody just dislikes something. So that's the weapon part, I guess. Anyway, YouTube doesn't like that that's happening. They feel bad for their creators, and uh, they're trying to combat this. So they've come up with some ideas. Again, you should read the article for all of the details on what they're talking about. I don't think anything's official yet, but 
really some of their ideas are have to do with changing the interface itself to deter people. Like if you click the dislike button, they want you to write in why you dislike a video, which I think is really funny. Who's going to take the time to do that? Some videos are just bad. <laughs> right. You know? Like I've seen videos like, oh, this is just bad. Just, but really, like how many videos on YouTube have you ever disliked? Not many, but when something's inaccurate or wrong, like mm. I, I understand people might be like, oh my gosh, it's a weapon. How dare you, you know? hurt the feelings of this creator. No, some people do have really bad videos and say things that are wrong and and could actually be detrimental. And the one thing that I think would be a real negative is at some point they took away the downvote. Because I look at these videos and if especially if you're doing something like DIY or something that you're trying to learn, it's good to know if people think this video sucks. That's and true. if there's downvotes towards it. So I, I, I love the downvote button. I don't use it a ton, but when something's wrong, I absolutely will. That's fair. And I think it's interesting too, because they, they've noted that their algorithm is not smart enough to get around these mobs. If you also, that's where they should make the changes, right? Fix that somehow. For every mention of artificial intelligence <laughs> and machine learning, you can't get around a dislike mob. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Agreed. It's, it seems very, very easy. Like you just say, Look at number of dislikes. Is it disproportional ratio to the average time unit? If so, let's take these and let's get rid of them. Doesn't seem that hard. Doesn't even seem like listening. you need machine learning. Yeah. Seems no. like just common sense. Seems like human learning. I mean, Greg just figured it out, so I hope YouTube is listening. <laughs> All right. But don't just please don't get get rid of the dislike button. I don't think they plan to. Didn't seem like it yet. We'll see. Mark my words. February eighth, twenty nineteen. Wow. Ice cube emoji. Ice cube emoji sweaty one. All right. Next up is a best practices article on your optimization score that comes directly from Google. And Google has in Google ads, they have an optimization score that allows you to try to do better with your account. Many times it'll make you do worse. Just a, a little warning there. But they've come up with three different best practices. And spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you this right now very quickly. <laughs> In the article, they tell you to manage your account more efficiently by prioritizing your actions, to apply recommendations that support your business goals, and to analyze the recommendations on your own terms. All common sense stuff. So really not that much to see there. If you use those um, optimizations, good for you. Just make sure that they actually work. That's the most important one. The last one is analyzing those recommendations on your own terms. Yeah. Thank you, Google. <laughs> okay. Speaking of thank you, Google, something cool, new, coming for hotels on Google My Business. You can now add check-in and check-out times to your Google My Business listing. Again, only if you're a hotel, but who else really needs that? So that makes sense. Um, I personally love this because I'm always <laughs> sitting in the... I had thought that hotels used to put their checkout time on the back of the door, like with the map to the fire escape. And I've been in several hotels recently that didn't have that. I've had to sift through FAQs on websites or call the front desk. I think they put their check-in and check-out times. They put it right on the 13th floor. Yeah, <laughs> that explains it because I can never get there. So we don't get that information. But yeah, no, it's, it's cool now. You could just Google when you need to get out of bed. Oh, the <laughs> it's really just the 14th floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a throwback. To a previous episode. Falling down elevators, right? We talked about absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, good times. Cool. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. And then another thing that may be less helpful on Facebook is that Snopes is pulling out of its fact-checking partnership. Back in 2017, Snopes got a whopping $100,000 for partnering with Facebook, and they had tried to downrank some of the hoaxes. 
basically, we talked about this last week, but Facebook has created that oversight board for content decisions where <laughs> there's full-time people <laughs> seeing what should stay and what should 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 go. So that may play into it. But the other thing is that Snow, Snopes is in this huge legal battle. I thought that at one point they lost their domain, but there's this whole thing going on. They're not you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to say anything that Snopes is going to fact check me on, but I think there's a little turmoil there over at Snopes <laughs> and they are now no longer a partner as of today. Well, if you have anything to say, you say it on Facebook. They won't check you. Next up, Spotify announces strategic acquisitions to accelerate growth in podcasting. So they announced this week that they're acquiring Gimlet, which is an independent producer of podcast content and Anchor, which is a platform for podcast creation, publishing and monetization. And Anchor has gotten a lot of popularity recently. We use Anchor just mm -hmm. to publish this podcast that you're listening to right now. So that should be a huge benefit. The thing that I thought was a little bit more interesting is with Gimlet, they're going into the content side. Yeah. Gimlet makes really, really, really well-produced podcasts. And then they get like really just into their own podcast. They podcast about the podcast setting up. It's like totally inside baseball. And they'll talk about like the business of setting up their company. And maybe they're going to have an episode on being acquired by <laughs> Spotify here. But yeah, I think that is, is very interesting to see. And then the other thing that Anchor has is they have the ability to monetize your podcast. Mm -hmm. So to see what Spotify can do with their current ad platforms, if they can roll that out into to podcasts specifically, it could be really, really cool for them to just instantly start owning some ad space on podcasts. Amen. And you can hear us on Spotify too, in case you didn't know that, everybody. Absolutely. All right. And next up, no surprise, clicks plummet when images article info stripped from news results in the search engine results pages. And in case you haven't been following along what's going on overseas in the EU, there are two articles that are threatening the way that many folks may do business. There's Article 11 that grants newspapers copyright over headlines and news snippets and require folks like Google News to pay media companies a link tax in order to share those articles. And there's Article 13 that basically will look for any user-generated content to make sure there's no intellectual property violations. And again, an example might be that you're listening to something and you hear the Rolling Stones in the background and it wasn't properly, um, properly compensated for. So Google did a test and said, well, what is this going to look like? What are the results going to look like? Oh my gosh, if I can't show the actual article names. <laughs> and it looked pretty bad, but I, I actually didn't mind it. What? Uh, the look of it? Yeah. I didn't mind it. It looked like 1995. I like that. I, I'm, I'm old school. <laughs> I liked it. But th there were no images in the news articles. And it's also the fact that, yeah, if you couldn't show that stuff, it wouldn't look like that. They're just being drama. They're just trying to start a little drama over there. But I like that. I, I appreciate how sassy Google and even YouTube, which is a part of Google, has, have been in their kind of resistance to all the stuff that's happening over in Europe. I love it. Yeah. And so basically they took out all the images that are standard in news ads, news um, listings. And then it, it looked pretty poor because you just pick, well, this is the Daily Telegraph and you didn't see any of the article name. And this is one thing that bothers. These are the things, the little things that bother me, where they said um, all versions of the experiment resulted in substantial traffic loss to news publishers. No data. Even a moderate version of the experiment, which showed the publication title, URL, and video thumbnail, led to a 45% reduction in traffic to news publishers. 
I want to know the data on everything. Yeah. I want to know what the difference is. Yeah. You got to give me, if you're saying this is a big deal and you're trying to make a case, show me the data on it. Cause then news publishers might actually get behind you, but just saying a substantial loss in traffic. I want to see numbers. That's fair. That's a fair question. But anyway, if you want to see what it may look like, if Article 13 and Article 11 pass over in the EU, check out the show notes and you can see that ghost SERP as, <laughs> as it kind of looks like. Uh, the one that I like. I like that one. You like they called it a naked SERP too, didn't they? In the article, I think. Uh, I don't want to get an explicit tag here, so I will not comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I would love to know if people like it like you do, because I thought it was crazy. It just looked like it didn't load. Anyway, next up. Buying and selling followers is and likes is ruled illegal in a precedent-setting case. I don't know if this comes as a surprise to anybody, but people are out there buying and selling <laughs> followers and likes, and they can't. It is now officially illegal here in the U.S., so if you're doing this, obviously you should stop ASAP, and if you purchased fake followers in the past, it's probably a good time to purge your account before the government comes and shuts you down or sends you a strongly worded letter at the very least. Of all the things plaguing our society, <laughs> the one thing that's going to be illegal is buying followers. Yeah. That is astounding yeah. that that could hypothetically be the case where... It's illegal <laughs> to buy people to follow. Like you're giving somebody money. You're like somebody's making money. You're employing somebody for some stupid vain Finsta number. But you're lying to people. Which you're not is lying also to people. Not These accounts right? are following you. Yeah, and they should true. be on the social networks themselves to well, make sure you can't have fake accounts. That's true. And I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I have a public Instagram profile and I have fake followers for days for free. I didn't have to pay for any of them. And they send me little spammy comments and sometimes I like them and comment back. Hang on. I'm, I'm going to get the sheriff on the blower and turn you in here. I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Next up, we have the fact that Google Webmasters is allowing you to consolidate your web traffic on canonical URLs. This is a little bit deep into the woods, but basically in your search console performance report, Google had reported on multiple versions of a link and with a proper canonical tag, now it's going to show the final version of that. So if you're canonicalizing an AMP page, it's going to be much cleaner because it'll canonicalize and show up in your search console as a non-AMP page. Again, for people using AMP or an MDOT site, this is going to be huge. And even if, again, you're just canonicalizing something else out there, there's just going to be, it's going to show the final version of it and not split it between the two. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Great. Speaking of wonderful, I don't know if this is wonderful, but it's pretty genius. Facebook is splitting the word sponsored to bypass ad blockers. Some smarty pants Redditor pointed this out. They were looking at Facebook's code and the word sponsored was broken up and spelled out in pieces in different classes. So again, likely intentional uh, to avoid having sponsored content blocked. I mean, this is technically shady enough for every good thing that Facebook does every week. They also do something kind of kind of iffy and we're, I'm done keeping score but as a marketer I like this I love it it's, it's so creative <laughs> I think if somebody asked that I don't quote me on this it was either Pinterest or Cura that was doing the same thing but yeah break it up like if your your ad blocker is dumb enough to just look at something that says sponsored and get rid of anything in that class yeah break it up and put it in all different ways I love it it's creative it's still not illegal you're just making it harder on other folks yeah. good that means you're doing something innovative. And for us advertisers, yeah, maybe more people are seeing our ads. Right? I think it's Great. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Call and ad blockers get smarter. Yeah. Call us evil, but we're taking Facebook's side on that one. Okay. Next up, Google Play Store is now open for progressive web apps. Web apps that are on 
just the domain and can also be used on a phone and are responsive across every side, every, every size. And it's called PWA, and apparently you can get something like a like a squoosh dot app, mm-hmm. and it can be an app that works on a browser, and then apparently you can just put it now into the Google Play Store. So, if you have a progressive web app, you can have a squoosh dot app that you can go to, or okay, just turn it into its own app. There's a link on Medium on how to do that. Um, seems pretty advanced, but check it out. Wild times in the App Store. All right, and that brings us to this week's. W T H W T H. All right, and this week is an article from Vox called "For Sale: Instagram Account Lightly Used." <laughs> That's cute. And people are buying and flipping Insta accounts, which is technically against terms of service. This was in the W H W T H because of how in depth it is, yeah. and like how many interviews they had, how this is so much of a thing, and how there's middlemen or middle, that, that might be problematic, maybe middle people. Middle folks. Middle folks, I like that, yeah. that are um, helping to do this. And then the other thing that is crazy is just some of the numbers that these people are giving away. Dude, so I, go on. Okay, so one of the, the people that had been interviewed first in the story by Vox, said that he posted an Instagram account that had 25,000 followers, and he listed it for 30 bucks. (laughs) 30 bucks! (laughs) That's crazy. And then it it seemed like they started interviewing some more and more upcoming players in the Finsta-selling community there, but basically, if you have an account from 50,000 to 100,000 followers, it'll sell for 500 to 1,000 Dollars, and then you could, if you sell it right, you could buy it at that price and flip it. It's crazy. It just seems like it's like this this asset that people are, you know, leveraging and selling. Yeah, and it, it's crazy because I think most of the people, if not all, that they interviewed were in their early twenties. So they're out there being these little internet entrepreneurs. I'm starting to feel really old and not savvy, but they're like, not only are they they doing this, they're buying and selling, but then they're buying it and flipping it and selling it again, like. Our generation's out there flipping houses and, and doing real work on real estate. And these kids are just turning and burning Instagram accounts. And it's it's wild to me. Have you ever sold a social account? No, but I should sell mine because, as you know, I have several <laughs> fake followers. <laughs> yeah, before you go to jail. Yeah, $31, guys. <clears throat> I have. Bidding. You have? Yes. A Twitter account. Really? Yes. I, I've sold a few, actually. But, yeah. Because I, good? But, yeah, really good ones. And, and decent money, too. And it is like really shady business trying to do that because the minute you give somebody their credentials then they've got it and so you you need these like middlemen it's so weird but um but yeah i only did some stuff on twitter but like how long ago was that a few years ago you are a man ahead of the times Greg. Uh, yeah yeah these people just figured it out now in 2019 but it's crazy and then another thing that i liked was just (laughs) a silly sentence in the article was apparently one of the people they didn't want to be identified by name, so it went by his uh, a rapper name, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his na- rapper name is Ace Looney. <laughs> and so the sentence is, what Ace Looney's mentor taught him wasn't just how to find buyers through Instagram DMs and Facebook pages, but how to buy low and sell high. Flipping an Instagram account like one might a piece of real estate. So like, what do you, that you learned it to, to buy low and sell high. I feel like my grandparents told me that when I was like two. It's yeah, just knowledge. It's one of those things like humans come out of the womb and you're just like, that's what you know. Yeah. Well, right? not Ace Looney. Not Ace Looney. <laughs> Send him to the Ace Looney bin. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah. Mentor, mentor taught him that. So, <laughs> all right. That was an interesting one. And it is quite the read mm. if you feel like doing it. Yeah. And this brings us to this week's cool tool. Cool tool. And this one, um, it's a tool that already exists, but it's an important update to a tool that we all know and love that is Moz. Um, the title of the article is A New Domain Authority is Coming Soon, What's Changing, When, and Why. So if this is something that you rely on or look at or use at all for any sites you might be doing organic work on, we encourage you to read the whole article. For those of you that don't know, Domain Authority is a search engine ranking score developed by Moz that predicts how well a website will rank on the SERPs. And the key phrasing there is developed by Moz. And this is something Google has said is not technically a ranking factor, but obviously there are some good correlations with having an authoritative domain. Yes. And they are trying to make it correlate even more now with the changes that Google's making in their algorithm. So that's where this comes from. They did say in the article that the way that the score will be determined from here forward is going to be a little bit more nuanced. They're going to try and have a better understanding of what sites are actually about and be better at detecting manipulation of things like links. So again, trying to keep up with the changes that Google are making. So Moz claims with this update that the metric will become more trustworthy than ever. Of course, I mean, I hope so. That's why you're making these changes. And we'll continue to keep up with the changes Google's making. I've said that seven times already. Have you ever heard anybody say, we've made this update so that the product is worse? No, of course not. That's the thing that drives me crazy. Every time you see like an iPhone release, like Mm -hmm. the newest iPhone is the best iPhone ever. It's like, dude, you had an extra year. I hope it's better. (laughs) You're you're, you're up there on stage. Were you going to tell me it's worse? No. Okay. I know. Yeah. I think it's just about hype. But yeah, obviously, if you're trying to improve something, that's what you're trying to do is is improve something. So I don't know. And so there is a little bit of controversy around the domain authority and Google used to have uh, what was called PageRank or PR, and people would mm. use this to try to sell links from their own site and be like, oh, I've got a PR8, I've got a PR9. And then people now have been like, oh, I've got a DA of 30 to 40, and this is how much a link costs. Oh, that's out of 100. Out of 100, yes. And this isn't a metric, again, that is recognized by Google as a ranking factor, but it is something where to me, I like looking at everything. And the more data, the better. The more trends, the better. And if you're trending upward on something like this, it can be important. Um, but it is not something that you should hang your hat on at all Mm-mm. by any means. And then on Search Engine Land, Barry Schwartz put out an article. And there was a lot of feedback that he posted from a poll. And you can kind of get the full community thought on this as well. Here's some of the good, here's some of the bad. And then Russ Jones from Moz had made some some comments and talked about how they're fighting spam just to your point earlier. So yep. check that out. And again, it is new and improved and it should be better if you did use domain authority before and found it helpful for you. Yeah. And it's coming officially, they said, March 5th. So definitely check I mean, you should be checking every day if you're using this tool, but check it. If there's a little bit of fluctuations around that time, you will know why. Great. And that brings us to this week's must-read marketing article of the week, an article so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it here on the show in its entirety. And this week's article is from Backlinko's Brian Dean, and is called Introducing the SEO Marketing Hub, a free library of SEO resources. Say SEO one more time in there, that might help. (laughs) But basically, Brian Dean has put together um, some of the best content, I think, over the past, I don't know, three years, four years maybe, in the search space. And he does really, really detailed, I think he calls them skyscraper pieces. 
and it kind of taken all of these different pieces out there and turned them into this really nice hub. So if you are somebody that's at an agency or is trying to share or just increase your overall learning, check out this, uh, this SEO marketing hub, <laughs> just the hub. Uh-huh. And there's seven core topics you can look at, SEO fundamentals, content optimization strategies, technical SEO, link building techniques, user experience signals, and SEO tools and software. And lastly, advanced SEO strategies. And I haven't seen a piece of content that was bad over at Back- Backlinko. So definitely something to bookmark and uh, keep, keep in your file. All right. All right. Thank you, Brian. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show on marketingoclock.com and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's Shoot in the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. All right. And this week, we're going to play one of our favorite games, Two Kinds of People. And Jess, can you explain Two Kinds of People? Two Kinds of People is, uh, well, there's two kinds of people in the world on a lot of topics. It's either A or B. So we're going to talk about which one we are. And you can hear about it and decide for yourself which kind of person you are. All right, Jess, what you got first? First, I got something that... uh, came out of real life experience that we had earlier this week, you and I, boarding a plane. Are you a stand at the gate guy or wait in your seat guy when they're calling out rows and, and sections and all that? I mean, you know what I am here. <laughs> I and that do. was on my list too, because I thought you might forget that. Never. <clears throat> I am definitely, I want to be the last person on the plane. Mm. I don't even care if I have to gate check my bag. I don't want to stand in line. I don't want to have that just inconvenience. I don't know why people just like try to build a wall yeah. around the boarding line and you just have to like tap everybody on the shoulder and be like, yeah, are you, are you group A? And like, no, I'm group Z. Like, well, they're boarding group B right now. So, uh, I'm going to walk past you. Is that okay? Get out of line. You like part the river. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so. crazy. But I think most, and I'm with you, as you know also, but I think most people in the world are like probably 90% of people are the stand there like before they, like when they're doing their pre-boarding announcements, people are already standing there. I think most of the two kinds of people in the world fall on that side. Okay. So I think we know where we are on that. Another transportation related one. Are you the type of person that reclines their seat back on a flight or doesn't? Never. Why? Never. Because I don't want to inconvenience the person behind me, which I realize is like there's supposed to be room for that. But I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And I thought about it because <laughs> this one guy, we were coming up back from New York City this week. And this one person, we get on the plane, instantly knocks it all the way back. I'm like, dude, they're going to make you, they're going to make you stop doing that in like a minute. Yeah. You have to have it all the way up. And then I don't know. I, I just I always feel terrible. It's like I'm just squishing this person behind me. I do too. I mean, I don't even like to use the armrest that you share with your neighbor. See, I'm I'm a big armrest fan because that's like a divide. That's like a spatial thing. Oh, I like to have it down, oh, okay. but I'm not resting oh, no, on it because no. that's Absolutely. that's a shared space. It's no, weird. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with okay. you 100. percent 
Um, okay, not transportation related at all. When you're playing a board game and you have a piece and you have to move, like, say, three spaces, do you slide your piece three spaces or do you hop one, two, three? That is a great question. <clears throat> I think I'm either a hopper or sometimes I just do the math and and do a big jump. Oh. So I don't, I'm not actually touching the board. It's just, this is the space I was on. Yeah. I lift up and now I'm just like, boom, like efficient. Yeah. I like that. What I, are you? I'm, I hop, I count, I do the math, but then I count it <laughs> out loud like a crazy person. But I think the people that slide it are like, they're up to something. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. But you people be, do be it. Careful. Yeah. Sometimes I do hop if I've had an adult beverage or two, for sure. <laughs> Which makes board games better. So that's okay. <laughs> makes everything better. Okay. <clears throat> Next up. Are you the type of person that eats cereal, eats all the cereal, and then drinks the milk from the bowl? So when that happens to me, yes. But... In general, I like to pour what I think is just under the amount of milk that I would need so that I don't end up with a lot of milk at the end. I'm the same with soup. Like, I don't like a lot of broth. So if there's leftover milk, I'm drinking it. I'm not wasting it. But I try not to get to that point. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) It grosses me out for some reason. I know it's like, yeah, it's sugar and it's milk and it's all the things that I want and I already consumed all this stuff. But it's like this weird complex I have where it's like just so disgusting to think about taking this bowl and putting it <laughs> onto my face. I don't know why. And I know I'm crazy. You are crazy because now that I'm thinking more about this, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries, specifically the dust that comes off that, you need extra milk for that. That is like the tastiest treat you've ever had. Do you remember the Oops All Berries Crunch oh Berries? God, that's my favorite. That was the best. That's I the remember best. those commercials as a kid. It's like the captain like, I don't know. Maybe he had a couple too many adult beverages and like knocked into like the wrong lever and the berries were just pouring out. I remember I got like a box of that. It was the best. That's, Oops that's All Berries. It's one of my favorite like, you know, spinoffs, the Oops All Berries Oops All Berries. Franchise. I like <laughs> the name of it too because it stuck with you throughout yeah. your whole life. Um, here's another one I know the answer to, but I want to talk about it anyway. Oh boy. When... Because there are two kinds of people in the world. When someone knocks on a bathroom door, there are people that say something if if it's occupied and there are people that don't. There are people that just sit there in nervous silence on the toilet and get like have people try to walk in on them because they don't speak. Which are you? You know me. I know you. (laughs) I always have one thing loaded when I walk into a bathroom and it's occupied. Occupied's good. It's just anytime you hear something, it's going to be occupied. So I am always instantly... Occupied, occupied. Yeah, I say I, it. Yeah, occupied. Yeah, I toy with the idea sometimes of being like, "No, thank you," or depending <laughs> on the situation, "Come in," like just to mess with people because the door is locked; they're not coming in. But th- there are people out there, and they're bad people that are not saying anything and making me think that the door is locked from the inside and no one can get in. Yes, I actually had another bathroom-related one. Well, I'll, I'll just do it. Perfect. Are you the type of person that when they leave the bathroom, just leaves or? make sure that the light is turned off. I turn the light off. A, because you're saving electricity. B, because it's way more obvious to incoming people that there's no one in there. Yeah, that's like a (laughs) courtesy thing. Right? There's like a whole subset of people that don't say anything to your point in the bathroom (laughs) and then leave the light on. And it's crazy. And I I just like sit around and wait and I'm like, oh, somebody's still in there. Somebody's, oh, nobody's in the bathroom. That's just... We're just, I don't know. And it's because of those people that don't say anything when they're in there that I assume that if the light's on and it's silent, that someone's in there and then I can't use the bathroom. So bad people in in bathrooms these days. 
Um, all right, my last one that I have, hopefully this is controversial. Say you're making some hot cocoa. Okay. Do you put the powder in and pour the water over it? Or do you put the water in and then shake the powder into it? If I was using packeted hot cocoa, I would put the powder in first, pour the water over it. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I feel like it mixes better that way. It de- it definitely does. Because if, if you put the hot cocoa on top of the boiling water, it's just going on top. It's going to be like a meniscus of cocoa. Yeah. At least you have a chance that maybe there's a little splashing in there. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to stir it either way, but when you put it on top, it does, to your point, it doesn't go down and then you lose some when you put the spoon in it, like powders everywhere. Okay. And here's the timely one for my last one. Perfect. Are you the type of person that with your significant other celebrates Valentine's Day? No. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. (laughs) I mean, I think it's really just like every day with me and my wife, it's like Valentine's Day. We don't need one day of the year. That's really sweet. Yeah. That's really sweet. Did I sell it well? Yeah, you did. good. Yeah. I agree with you though. And I feel like every year my husband and I were like, okay, so we're not going to do anything this year, right? And so this year I was like, let's just stop asking each other that. From here on out, we are not doing anything. And it's great because I don't want to eat chocolate flowers. You just got to take care of them and they die. I don't know. Yeah. You should love each other all the time in the year. And it's the worst day of the year to go out too. Who wants to have dinner on a, a fancy day when everybody else is out and you have to struggle for a table? Not me. That's for sure. <laughs> go out on a, on a Tuesday in March. That's not St. Patrick's Day instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And we will see you next week. Goodbye.